DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we uh, analyze Suicide Squad by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate. And I'm Sydney. You can find me on Twitter at WonderSid. And you can also hear me analyze Wonder Woman at the JLU podcast. All right. And today we're going to be talking about minute number 33 of Suicide Squad, which is going to start with Joker laughing as he's found out where Harley Quinn is. And then the minute's going to end with uh, Keith Griggs uh, apparently very lucky. No, very unlucky. Well, yeah, but then they say he's lucky. (laughs) So I don't know. I don't know. I have so many questions about this. Um, I don't have really much of anything for Joker other than I'm not mad at the laugh. I, I think as we talk about the interpretation of the character, like eh, it's a pretty, uh, pretty. I think it's like a more terrifying laugh, like it almost like unnerving, like yeah. it's supposed to. And he does it differently depending on the context. He does the full, I think, what most people expect from a Joker laugh later when he's firing out of the helicopter. So mm-hmm. it's like you know everything depending on the specific situation. Mm-hmm. Jared Leto said like that he it- practiced them by like sitting on the subway and trying to find out what laughs really creeped out people around him. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what, when I hear this laugh, it makes me sound like he's at the end of a hallway, and, uh, (laughs) like, we were playing horror games last night. It's like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm listening Mm -hmm. for. It's like that, that, it's a slow. like, if you heard that while playing, like, No, I'm, yeah, if I heard that while playing a horror game, it'd be scary, but I'd also be like, oh, Joker's here. Yeah, but also. Jared Leto, where you at? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But, um, it's, uh, like, that particular laugh, what he's doing, mm-hmm. uh, if you're saying that he was sitting on a subway trying to figure it out. Yeah, I would be creeped out at that, because if I was on the other end of the subway car and I heard that echoing down, Get off yeah, of the next stop. I'd be terrified. <laughs> yeah, I'm good here. Um, oh, I guess the, the only other observation I have about it is, um, one thing I actually noticed this time, I don't know if I really consciously thought of this before, but the music that plays... Um, you know, as the camera kind of pans out, is a mix of the, the film's score and that gangsta song that also plays during the whole chemical bath with Harley later. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is a blend of the two. It, and they also do that same, you know, like camera eye of God shot. Um, yeah. So In the vats. Yeah, nice yeah. way of sort of connecting those two scenes together. Yeah. Yeah, it does kind of create like a parallel, like shot for shot almost. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it this is, is where he's cool. found out where Harley is. <laughs> I've never thought of the, the two kind of, whether it's like you score a film or you use a licensed soundtrack. I've never thought of actually blending the two and creating something. I mean, something so small as like a scene change. Um, but you're like, yeah, that's a neat idea. Yeah. I wonder Music's an important thing. And I think that's a... I've seen a lot of DCU fans critique, and this is understandable, the fact that, uh, you know, maybe in the t- attempt to make it more music video-like, they ended up leaning on a lot of songs rather than the score. And the score is really good. Um, but, and you know, I can see that. I do think that the songs sort of fit what the movie mm-hmm. is. Like, you know, maybe yeah. they didn't need to do it as much, but for what the film is, once again, Sure, it could have been better, but I think it was kind of cool. I think it matches the whole kind of kooky aspect of the Suicide Squad. Yeah, sometimes um, I think we've said it's just kind of like um, it helps the general audience understand everything because the lyrics usually, um, they set the mood themselves. It's not just the tone of the the music, but it's also the lyrics. It's it's like it's giving us more exposition of what's happening. And then for a general audience, that works a lot better 
so I understand the licensed music. Mm -hmm. uh, part of me just w wish like someone out there who's really good at video editing like use the actual score, make like a fan edit where they just have Stephen Price's music because I want to see what that's like. Does it change the tone drastically? Which I think it does, but it, it'd be nice to see how that how that looks. I think it can. Uh, I mean, this piece of music that they're just kind of alluding to in this moment. So the, the chemical bath scene where it plays gangsta, mm -hmm. I have seen fan edits of that where they just use the score. It Oh, cool. It doesn't I think I do prefer the version with the score, but it doesn't really change the tone of it too much. It's just different. Um but yeah, the score there is epic. So I, I love the gangsta song. It was stuck in my head for months after I saw this movie. But yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the score was still really great. So it, it's, it's kind of made the score underappreciated in this film. But I think it's because a lot of its more iconic moments don't really get to shine. The album itself was very popular. I think the album itself was like almost a, a success. Like you couldn't go anywhere without hearing like almost every new song that's on that album, like you heard it out and about at some point for at least a year. Oh, and yeah. It was like, and it was just like, okay, this is Suicide Squad. Now, is that like, I still hear Heathens every now and then. Yeah. Good one. Mm -hmm. So like with, the, yeah, the 21 Pilots and all those other things and stuff and you can't stop me, break me down, whatever that other one, the Harley Quinn song. Um, are these like particular the artists? Grimes one? There was a, yeah. the Grimes had one and, and then, um, are, do they have are these particular artists that get approached or are they already on a label that is coinciding with Warner Brothers? So it's like, oh, here's our new hit summer movie. Let's reach out to these artists, these artists, these artists, because we're already on their label and they are kind of contracted to make a Hollywood music video. Like we already here's your I mean, maybe not even just make it, just perform it. We already wrote the song for you. Here's what it is. Let's oh. go and perform yeah, it. Or is it like my question has always been, do they is it already in their contracts when they sign that label? It's like, okay, well, we are also owned by Warner Brothers. So Who makes if films. There's, yeah, so, so if there's a movie coming out, you might be asked to do a music video. And create a song yeah. out of thin air. Yeah, is that like a thing? I mm, I don't know if I want to go as, so far as to say, hey, if, if that or is Or do they thing, just say, hey, happens. this is a nice song you have here. And then it's going to be exclusive to this film. And mm. yeah, we'll make a music video. Um, Gosh, I don't know. That's some. That's you know. That's that's sort of getting away that, from the movie. That's getting more into the yeah. business side of things. I would it's think that the studio industry. would probably approach them. Kind of on this note, once again, you guys should see Venom because there is a really cool Eminem song <laughs> that I assume was written for the movie because it references stuff in the movie. Um, like Pacific Rim had one too. Oh, uh, uh, I mean, Little Wayne had a song in here um, that was with other people. I oh, think yeah. that had. Suicide Squad. Um, oh well. yeah, what was that one called? Um, I know Purple Lamborghini had, you know, Rolex. Yeah, that one, yeah. yeah, I mean the songs are cool. So it, I, I wish we could have heard more score, but the songs were cool. And you're right, the the the, the soundtrack was extremely successful. So mm -hmm. it, you know, we the fans wish we could have heard more of the the lovely score, kind of like for the other DC films. But clearly, general audiences really loved it. So it connected with people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and is that just? I was gonna. Is that a thing that's like that makes movies sort of um, more easier to go down? If it's like you have familiar songs, oh, you got Bohemian Rhapsody playing. Everybody loves Queen. You're gonna go and see this movie. Is that like more to bring people in? Is it easier for general audience to get hooked, stay paying attention, and just kind of go on? It's like, oh yeah, I recognize this song. Uh, oh, possibly, this but song. I think it's just like 
any soundtrack does. I think it's just about sort of setting the tone. And, you know, an an orchestral soundtrack is normally going to sound really epic. But if you're just trying to hype the audience up or get people really excited, you know, rock music's a good way of doing that. Um, So, yeah, you know, it's just a stylistic choice. I I don't think it's necessarily, you know, trying to dumb things down but um you know it's just a choice i've seen lots of movies that you know use lots of songs in the soundtrack it's Mm -hmm. it's as valid a choice as anything else yeah it just uh, in my opinion yeah it just makes things easier to digest um and it and it segues nicely because then we come to like this this club which i'm assuming um he's still in like louisiana but it's like it's got to be like a military like i don't know how far he's allowed to go as a person but we're now centered on keith griggs Mm -hmm. who's at this casino it's not a casino i don't know what this is it's like underground it's like underground it's a a club there's illegal gambling going on here yeah well it's like to me it's like it's not a normal club it's like it's not i've never seen you know anything like this Maybe he's just underworldish Street. like you know like underworld kind of stuff and it's like i know you're not in gotham you're still in louisiana because you work there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. unless he has to fly there because it's oh. so such a black side area I'm sure we, I'm sure it's probably safe to assume that he's still in louisiana. yeah i mean that's With, what joker's saying yeah. we're going for a drive yeah he's got yeah yeah so joker um and so like he's here he's hanging out he's off he's off duty basically um this is no way that i thought this character was going to go i think it took me See, I had to see it the second time to be like, oh, th- that's uh, Ike Barinholtz's character, because mm-hmm. I, because I was thinking like, what? Who is this? Um, and the reason for that was is because so far the mo- the information that we have about Keith Griggs doesn't seem to fit, um, like the type of person he is, like uh, the kind of wealth that he's kind of showing here. Mm-hmm. I've always always like when uh, later in this minute they're talking about like, yo, this is real. We were trying to. We had to stop them from trying to kill your, you know, your whole family and, and burn your house down. And I was thinking, like, yeah, that's where exactly I thought this kind of guy would be. Like, mm-hmm. you are uh, just an an average Joe in the military kind of thing. And I was like, you seem like you should be home right now uh, at like an Applebee's or something. <laughs> no. And. Uh, <laughs> It's like we know that Griggs is an asshole. Like he he clearly taunts and mistreats the the you know the inmates under his care. So mm-hmm. my my thing here is because he's in this clearly underground you know crime den place. It, it very obviously shows that he is in fact a corrupt prison guard. So he's had dealings with criminal types before. Um, and I, when he's when he's gambling there and he loses and he tells someone, hey, you know, tell him to to float me another 10K. And I'm just like, oh, you know, he's demanding money from people. So, yeah, I, he he has a relationship with this world. <laughs> and, um, you know, when, when they grab him and he says, do you, do you know who I am? Like, I, mm-hmm. I think he feels like he has some kind of protection. Yeah, exactly. But, I feel like he does. Yeah. yeah, but just like Rick Flagg, he's about to be shown that he's not really in as, you know, he's not in as control as he thinks. Uh, maybe there is a pattern here. I really hate to maybe. keep yeah. I've been on Rick Flagg like that. Hits. I like Rick Flagg. Oh, Why please. do I keep on? <laughs> <laughs> now we're just comparing him to Keith Griggs. Like, oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry, Rick. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's it is such a weird. It's it's he's in trouble. Mm-hmm. This scene. Even in tomorrow's minute, this guy is still in trouble. From this point on, he's in trouble. But it's like 
he he's like i'm keith griggs like okay who but who are you like you know you're just just a huge piece of shit and just like in like outside of work and inside of work and it's like but like why why what pool do you have you're not amanda waller you're not you know but but he's he um he's someone who has some position of power working at the prison um and i think he's connection between the inmates and their buddies who are still out in the world yeah do you think it's because of you know he works at that site do you think it's because he had he feels like I work at Black Site. I'm like, like I work at this Black Site area. I'm like super high, like in the government, and that's my power. Just like well, because I'm untouchable, like kind of like like diplomatic immunity. I think immunity, he's like one of like, like, sure a, 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 like yeah, yeah. I think he's like a yeah. te- team lead yeah. of of Belrev. So like, I'm I'm sure there's probably a handful of them that think that they run the place, and he's yeah. probably one of the younger guys that thinks that he can still have yeah. an in with like the inside criminals and their people on the outside. So like, like if you touch me, I'm having this whole under this yeah. club raided. Yeah, like, and now like, I don't you know who I am. Like I am full extent this of the law of Belrev. Like he thinks it's Judge Dredd. Yeah, one call and I can have you know SWAT and people come in here. Yeah, and I kind of thing. That seems like that seems pretty realistic. You, you know, you, you sometimes read studies about you know people who work at prisons once you're given sort of control over a bunch of people mm-hmm. you you kind of start turning you know really violent or aggressive or cruel so it it, it all fits so yeah, yeah i think he just I, thinks he's more important <laughs> than he is or he has more power yeah. than he really does and i think to top it all off is they got ike Barinholtz to play him which i feel like creates like this kind of character who never really seems like threatening it's like like Ike Barinholtz's character is always like when you when you see him on screen you're like okay I'm here to laugh like mm-hmm. I can't take you seriously yeah, he def- I, in my opinion Ike Barinholtz was always diffusing situations with comedy yeah and, um, because he is so natural at it but it's like it's like a dry humor yeah here it's a little bit physical different. comedy yeah slapstick yeah here here it's a little bit different here like I can tell that no matter what situation he's in he's still really nervous. But he's playing it off with these jokes and these like little jabs that he's able to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Even when he gets pulled to the back of the room, that's like nervous meter off the scale. Yeah, and uh, it, he's doing a good job at using the humor to play it off, um, which is something that I, I I relate to. I do that in real life. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, especially that line where he's like, "The guy's just, yeah, just chopping killing me. it." Yeah, you got no, it. Man. It's that guy really killing it. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah, I would do that. It's like, yeah, he, he's still trying to show that he's assertive, but it's all about to go mm-hmm. away. That is like the deflective humor that people have when they don't want to deal with problems. They're like, yeah, great job there, buddy. You're doing, you're doing all right, man. Could have done it better myself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so good. I do like the character. It's, it's, you know, it is, I think, um, well, we really haven't been introduced to this character yet, but so what's going on here is Ike Barinholtz, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's bleeding chips, right? He's asking for another 10 K. I'm assuming he has, uh, a massive tab at this establishment. Um, so they bring him backstage to talk to the boss. Backstage. Backstage. <laughs> back a house. At showbiz, baby. Hey, won't you come yeah, back a house? Back a house. Boss wants Take to him to the you. expo station. He wants to shake your hand. So this so they're getting ready for this boss. Johnny Frost comes in, like the coolest guy in the world. Um, and then there's there's a lot of things going on. There's there's evidence being passed or like you know, there's a lot of different elements that are going on way too quickly. And I feel like I'm not fully grasping it either. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you guys have any ideas no. of what's going on. All I know, 
I guess as a moviegoer is that Ike Barinholtz's character is in trouble and someone is about to show up. Well, yeah, because a bunch of people who are obvious thugs come in. They're openly carrying machine guns. Mm-hmm. Pretty like machine some, guns. Yeah, some money changing hands. Oh, yeah, pretty machine guns. I, I know that... Um, I think we've seen it's... pictures, up-close pictures of the props. One of the guys is holding what looks like a gold-covered machine gun. I mean, I don't know exactly mm-hmm. what model it is. Oh, like from Lord of War. Yeah, yeah but like... I, something like that was seen in End of Watch, too. So, once again, and this is kind of showing that this is this is David Ayer's um, world here, his style. So, kind of showing that um, real-life criminals... It, it's not quite on superhero, supervillain, comic book level, but they can be flamboyant and flashy mm-hmm. in their own way. You know, it's just kind of like going overboard, like decorating their guns. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not yeah. practical, but it shows that you have power, that you have money mm-hmm. and you can openly flaunt it without fear of reprisal. Um, and super, I mean, to, to even customize weapons like that, it's so mad expensive. It's like, oh, yeah. These people have. Sean, you just have like, money you can toss away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, that's what we're, even with the start of Man of Steel, it's like we had to show that this world's not pretty. And mm-hmm. it's like we have these underworld organizations that have a full grip on nations all over the place. And it's like, that's what we're trying to show because now we're introducing superheroes who want to be heroes, mm-hmm. you know? So, well, it also, um, to me, it, it kind of explains the whole aesthetic of the Joker in this movie too. Um, you know, give it all the credit. There's a, there were a lot of criticisms about his appearance, but I see what they were going for because, you know, a lot of people made fun of the tattoos. People in gangs have tattoos. <laughs> like, like maybe the, you're kidding. Yeah. What? <laughs> like, um, they even have ones on their face. Like I usually associate tattoos on the face, like visible, like you're not afraid to show it. Like that always kind of screams criminality to me. No offense to people who are completely fine, who have tattoos on their face, but in the movies, that's usually kind of a shorthand for you're a bad guy. So it's like maybe the damage tattoo was a little on the nose, but mm-hmm. I understand what they were going for. You know, they, they just went full yeah. out with that, that aesthetic. But it wasn't, that, that's the thing. It, it, it seems strange to a lot of people, but I don't think it was unreasonable. I think it, it makes complete sense um, because Joker's part of this crime underground. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, he's got all these you know, not everybody he works with is going to be some costume supervillain. They're just going to be ordinary criminals, ordinary gang members. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... With K- the touch of flair. Yeah, the KGB's touch of flair, yeah, because they got power and money. Mm-hmm. It's covered in tattoos. And, you know, every time... Like, you can't not watch Dawn of Justice and be like, yeah, KGB doesn't look that terrifying. It's like, have you seen this man? Yeah. Like, if, you, if I saw this man... Next to me, cleaning a floor, yeah. I turn hightail and I'm go just the other afraid way. of the actor now. Like, because I look at that guy and I go, <laughs> Nah, dude, you play KGB, so I'm mm-hmm. not about that life. And it's like, it's like he had a lot of tattoos, he was covered, and they were like religious tattoos. I was like, Nah, that's that's extremism. I don't want to deal yeah. with that. He was the guy that shot uh Osama bin Laden in Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, he was? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, he was the the seal that they were. T- Do you realize what you just did? That was my Chris Pratt. <laughs> Now do the Jurassic World Chris Pratt. Depends on what kind of dinosaur they cooked up in that lab. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Welcome back to Chris Pratt Minute. That was good. Yeah, no, but that's the thing. Um, in in real life, yeah, gang tattoos, I mean, that's kind of shorthand. If you saw someone who looked like KG Beast in Batman v Superman in real life, you might be nervous. I think the the intimidating physiques that these characters have in the comics 
in real life, nobody looks that way unless they, you know, really pump some iron or <laughs> yeah, they're, a lot of steroids. They're, they're into the theatrics. I mean, mm-hmm. even in the beginning when they're raiding, uh, are they raiding Arkham when they're dressed up like? Oh, they are. Yeah, they're they're wearing those outfits. Yeah, it's Arkham. But mm-hmm. um, one's Batman, like the panda, panda. It was another bear. Yeah. dude with like a like a Slenderman kind of outfit or something like that. <laughs> he was a Slenderman. He was universe. like in a suit and like a he was yeah he was in like a suit and tie and like a white, just a white mask yeah and then there's what a guy with like a batman mask too <laughs> yeah there's oh the books at my house i was gonna say i keep on forgetting to bring it um oh, do you have the art book for the movie yeah we have the oh, art of cool. and it's got all the it, it has like two or three pages about joker's gang yeah. it has tattoo stickers in it. yeah that's <laughs> the, that's the takeaway it's got temporary tattoos. i think it has like harleen quinzel's like id card and stuff like that mm-hmm. it's kind of like those little yeah. knickknacks that people like so they do stuff but it's like got that. a lot of great information yeah so they do stuff like that but like you know, Ben Affleck's movie, The Town, where they wear those, like, nun mm-hmm. masks. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's flamboyant, but it's still not unrealistic. So I actually would praise this movie for doing kind of what the other DCEU films do, which is sort of taking these crazy comic book things and um, melding them into the real world. Um, so Suicide Squad as a concept and characters like the Joker and Harley Quinn, they're totally out there. But this movie, you know, with the exception of stuff like Enchantress, really grounds them. Um, yeah, so absolutely. Like, this they, is what these criminals would look like in real life. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is yeah. They do a great job of blending the the comic book adaptation. That's what I, like I love about this universe the most because like they, once they start introducing magic and, and you know aliens coming from other planets, it's like okay, yeah, we're we can get a little bit weird now and, and more theatrical because the whole world's gone mad. So mm-hmm. it's just great stuff. Yeah. Um, I think so. Johnny Frost comes in. Um, he's, I guess he's not the boss, or or maybe he is. Um, oh, he works directly with the boss. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. But I guess I didn't know if Johnny Frost like runs this club, like, and he's. Oh no, like, they're still like yeah, they're, they're, based they're in, in Louisiana. Gotham. Yeah, so yeah. they're just visiting Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Say that one more time. They're, they're Johnny Frost, Joker, Gotham. Keith Griggs, Louisiana. They're in Louisiana. They're now. in Louisiana right now. Okay, okay, cool. I got it. Um, but yeah, and then you know, there's there's this moment between Johnny and uh, this other person who's kind of in charge here. Yeah, I guess maybe that's Keith's boss, or maybe the owner of the casino. I don't boss? know. The kitchen manager. I don't oh know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going it. on here. You guys even cooked food back is here? It, like, uh, what is this? Apparently, it's just a butcher shop. Just, I don't know. Just keep. Chopping at the meat over and over again, yeah. beef still. <laughs> just the, the one eight ounce <laughs> making fajitas. Yeah. That's the only thing we make here. You can only get steak fajitas. Like I'm so not yeah. even cooking this. I'm just doing this for the dramatic effect. Yeah. The whole club smells like fajitas. Um, so yeah, I'm not trying to. I'm trying to figure out if if is Johnny Frost paying this dude for getting Keith there. Uh, is that what we're assuming? Maybe. Or, or is he maybe... paying him for his time? Maybe it's, a, it's like some kind I, of drug deal. I don't know. Mate, out at the same time, Joker's I feel like Joker. Yeah, I, I feel like Joker doesn't need to walk up into a hole in the wall club that's ripe with criminal activity and bell rev guards, and him just walk in there and have to pay somebody for to help him out. I feel like it should just be you're going to help me, or I'm going to burn your house down with your wife and kids. Don't believe me? I'm the Joker. 
That's true. Yeah. And I think it's maybe what we would expect. But if we're talking about them operating in a realistic way, he's got to have, I was about to say legitimate business deals, but that is totally not correct. <laughs> but I mean, he, he's got to have some agreeable business transactions mm-hmm. with fellow gangsters or otherwise they would just be constantly trying to get him. Like there's that scene earlier in the movie with, with common, you know? So mm-hmm. he, he holds audience with these people. He works with them. So I think that was just supposed to be kind of just setting the scene. You know, there's money mm-hmm. changing hands or some kind of transaction being done here. Yeah. Maybe they did him a service by bringing Griggs there or arranging for him to be there. Or maybe it was just, Hey, I need to fund my, my, joker toxin production here's (laughs) some drugs give me the money (laughs) yeah yeah there's it's it's johnny frost like he's coming into here but he's paying or he's giving money Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. someone else and it's like it's 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 that that we're okay so why is the money transferring from them to them kind of thing yeah from point a to point b um in relation to keith griggs who's in trouble for you know being you know, um, I don't know, like just in trouble, just, you know, being loose with like his money, like getting into trouble, taking advantage of this establishment. Um, and I don't think that has anything to do with what Joker is coming about with now. Exactly. I think it's, um, you know, it's another thing that kind of reminds me that that flag and Waller interaction before, sorry, flag. Um, but <laughs> it's, you know, Griggs is trying to get everybody's attention but mm-hmm. Frost just ignores him completely. It, I think he's just doing some other kind of business transaction here and kind of showing that that's more important than him. Like, we'll get to mm-hmm. you after I've yeah. done this other thing. Yeah. <laughs> after I've taken yeah. care of business, it's more important to me. Yeah. I'm sure Frost has seen enough people run their mouth uh, right before Joker enters a room for him to be like, hey, just cut it out like this is big boys are talking like yeah you're, you're, the, this guy that's about to walk through this door you can't open your mouth mm. you just can't man mm-hmm. come on like imagine being johnny frost it's, i would love to be johnny frost <laughs> oh my god his, he doesn't meet his, such a good end in the comics i don't think no he doesn't well neither does uh scarface's brother i mean they all sure. all those number two guys they oh. all get downfalls because of their number one that they put their trust in betrays him happens all the time yeah. i don't even know if he survives this film who johnny frost yeah probably not probably not we'll find out <laughs> you remember deadshot and nolan he died R- <laughs> random bullet <laughs> <laughs> off screen yeah never saw it <laughs> um here is here is the the big uh the big question of this episode um that that sack of money mm-hmm. um has some writing on it mm-hmm. and as we all agreed oh yeah before we started recording uh numbers or codes are very important um and this one is blatant this one is yeah it's it's there we see that i don't know what that means but it, it seems pretty important at least by minute by minute um but yeah dawn of justice was full of it i still don't think we got all of them but it seemed like every minute there was a number mm-hmm. or the minute itself, itself was a number yeah. yeah wonder woman did um, this too in a couple places. So if you see oh, any yeah, numbers or codes, they're, they're usually a reference to something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this but is, th- I, I this don't know what it is. I feel like it's supposed to be like, hey, if there's a handwritten number like this on a Ziploc bag full of cash, it's like, I, I think it's supposed to be like, oh, it's from 
the government. I don't know. It's like from. <laughs> it's got an it's autograph. From particularly like somewhere. You know it's what like I mean? Like they yeah. took it from from the mayor's personal stash thing. You know what I mean? Like if it if they came in with a bag that said Western Union on it, I'd be like, oh yeah, okay, they robbed the Western Union on the way over here. Got it. Is it like I'm supposed to think? Is it dirty money? I obviously let's obviously assume that it money. is dirty money. <laughs> But uh, where is that money from? I think that may be where it is. Like, is this money laundered from somewhere? Was it taken like clean. from a Western it's not Union? Dirty. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, yeah, I watched Breaking Bad. Th- this number, <laughs> this sequence, uh, it's either one two one K three B, or as I'm looking at it now, thanks, dude. Just my cat just stuck his whole paw in my glass of water. <laughs> or it's one two plus. K3B. All right. Can any internet detectives <laughs> and if figure you, out what I, this is a reference to? If you simply just Google 121K3B, all the articles, at least for me, is Suicide Squad related. And it's like I didn't type Suicide Squad in anything. I just typed in 121K3B. And it's just like, I guess all these articles are people who have seen that number and they're, they're not sure. Um, or they're just like Easter egg references, but I still don't know how Suicide Squad was referenced. Did you click on any of these? Were there, was there any explanation? On nope. No. Didn't find anything. <laughs> no, you didn't find anything, but didn't you did click on them. It. I didn't even find uh, one that actually talked about it, so I don't know. How, like I searched uh, the main article. That oh, that's weird, and they don't even talk about that particular like, scene. See, because like normally in the Google like snippet, it'll yeah. show you where you yeah. can use that that keyword but, no, but everything is like suicide squad in, but it's not mentioned that number. it's not mentioned in my google search but it pulls up Heck so yeah. uh david air i know you don't listen to this podcast uh but <laughs> we should tweet at him and figure this out because yeah, those we're, we're are the real questions nice things about him he could listen to yeah um but yeah i don't know if you guys have any any guesses anything you heard that, mine anything that you tried to attempt to research i mean i'd have to dive into it but my guess is actually just that it doesn't mean anything. It's just a serial number, but we've been so conditioned to look for mm-hmm. references in Easter. Yes. That it's just yeah. there to taunt us. Yeah. I'm sure someone is going to be like, no, immediately. It's like, oh, that was, uh, and it's like, all right. Add oh, it's no random way. numbers. No one's going to know yes, immediately. I would have never. Oh, yeah. It's like the, those are the coordinates for the moons that Jax Ur destroyed in Man of Steel. It's like, oh, oh yeah, neat. I got yeah. that. It's like, that's what it would be. Oh, my God. So definitely anyone out there, search these numbers. Minute number 33 of Suicide Squad. I have no idea if minute 33 of Suicide Squad in implies anything either because like issue 33 yeah because we um let's see so far we had a lot of things in dawn of justice where minute 27 was the introduction of batman mm-hmm. in the film so it was the 27th minute and then um card 27 yeah oh. superman and batman meet in like minute 43 and it's like mm-hmm. issue 43 of something or 1943 is when they yeah. met so it's like the minutes themselves were Almost edited like to like, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and it was even the uh, uh, the ultimate edition which you, matched up even. You more, researched is... one; it was a uh, minute like in the hundreds. That, yeah, like one hundred one armored Batman. Armored Batman, and the cover was him in a metal suit. Yeah. And it's like oh, okay. So and normally, <laughs> what was it? Man of Steel minute thirty three was the first one that we ever discovered because minute thirty three is the first time Henry Cavill has a speaking line. Mm-hmm. And it's like the age of Jesus Christ and also the age of Clark like Kent. Prime age, And yeah. it's like, this was his, like his, not his introduction, like the first time we see him, but it was the first time he was like a character having dialogue. And it was like, it was the bar scene. 
um, when he's like a bus, a, a bar back and it's like, Oh, okay. It's like, so somehow they're edited. I know it too. Like those numbers matter. <laughs> I want to say that that's a coincidence because I don't, I'm like, but, but at the same time, you're blowing my mind. I just like, <laughs> you know, they, they got to edit the film so that it makes narrative sense, you know, just to do it for the yeah. sake of an Easter egg seems like. <laughs> it's honestly, way it too might much have been just, it. yeah, it seems like way too effort, but maybe it could have been. Maybe. Mm-hmm. It just so happens, but That's I don't, funny. you never know. It's It, it matched up too well yeah, it messed for up us to way not too well. believe it. <laughs> right. At, um, at the JLU podcast, you know, we, we, we did things scene by scene. Um, for Wonder Woman, and at the end of our Wonder Woman analysis, we came to I think it was fifty-two scenes. Oh, nice! And but it's one of those things where I mean I, I even kind of called Sam out on this. I'm just like you did that on purpose, didn't you? <laughs> like the just, the division fits. of scenes is somewhat arbitrary. <laughs> yeah. I was sort of like, oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, that is like the golden number of DC. Anytime exactly. fifty-two is thrown around, it's this like this is why like, this number of one two one K three B. What is it? Yeah, it's like, there. Explain. Yeah, and it's it, again with even with letters this time. It's like okay, now now we have to think: is an author in, involved or something? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a uh, uh, we're we're gonna see who the big bad is coming through this door in uh, tomorrow's minute. But before we wrap up here, do you guys have any uh, closing notes? No, I think I'm all done. Yeah, I think that was that was it. Just yeah. our eternal frustration over these numbers. <laughs> yeah, bottom line, <laughs> as the same always. Thing, yeah, more to come as more we to come. As we talk about more minutes and more movies. Um, but for now, you can find us on all social media at DCEU Minutes and the Facebook group, the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society, where you can join us, other guests, and other listeners who who have been on the show. Reverse that, and you can talk about <laughs> any minutes you're catching up on with Suicide Squad, Man of Steel Minute, or Dawn of Justice Minute. So we're 400 episodes of content and then we'll catch you guys tomorrow for minute number 34 of Suicide Squad.